Golly, that new chap's got a very red face, Johnny. What do you think he died of? Indignation by the look of it, Henry. I see. Was he a season ticket holder in the upper Graham Taylor stand by any chance? How did you guess? Hornet Heaven, Series 2, Episode 4. We Shall Not Be Moved. Earth Season, 2015-16. On February the 28th, 2016, Henry Grover entered the atrium. He spotted Pete Pickles, a 52-year-old Watford fan who'd arrived in Hornet Heaven the day before. It was hard to miss Pete's face. It was the colour of Watford's statistically most successful shorts. Henry went up to Pete and introduced himself. He enjoyed welcoming recent arrivals. He liked to try and make people feel warm and fuzzy from the very start of their time in Hornet Heaven. To do this, he always used the same opening gambit. You know, I'd love to know which match of all Watford matches ever you decided to go and see first when you arrived. Henry expected he'd get one of the replies he'd been getting a lot in recent times. At home to Leicester in May 2013 for the best half minute in Watford history or away to Brighton in April 2015 for the celebration after Matthew Vidra's goal. The follow-up conversations were like relaxing in a warm bath of Watford. So, which match did you go to? Pete Pickles' face flushed with outrage. The match that killed me. Oh, Henry suggested that he and Pete go for a quiet stroll along Vicarage Road. He was worried residents in the atrium might overhear Pete claiming that watching Watford had killed him. Most residents already knew the story of Ernest Cottrell, a player from 1901 to 1903 who died while watching from the terraces in 1929. Henry didn't want anyone thinking that Vicarage Road had turned into some kind of serial killer. As they walked, Henry pondered the fact that Pete had been a season ticket holder in the Upper Graham Taylor stand and had died of indignation. Before today, he'd always thought of fans from the UGT as people who spent matches swaddled in blankets, tutting at misplaced passes. When they had a fit of peak, it was useful. It stopped them from dozing. It didn't usually kill them. He walked with Pete behind the newly refurbished jet-black rear of the Vicarage Road stand. Discreetly, Henry took another look at Pete's face. He thought the colour made Pete look exactly like the moose on the club badge, but he didn't say anything. Instead, he asked, So, which match was it that offended you so much that you actually expired? 
Yesterday afternoons, of course. Bournemouth at home in the Premier League. The nil-nil. Gosh, I found that rather a tame affair. But if it upset you so much, why did you want to go straight back to it as your first game in Hornet Heaven? I hadn't finished shouting at the chief executive. Henry raised a surprised eyebrow. Here, he thought, was a man who needed help. Henry took Pete through the north-west turnstiles and up into the Sir Elton John suite. They sat by the window, looking across the pitch at the recently extended Sir Elton John stand. Henry asked Pete what the chief executive had done to upset him so much. Pete explained that he was furious over the proposed seat reallocation for season ticket holders in the upper Graham Taylor stand. The club had announced a change in arrangements for 2016-17. Several fans would have to move seats. To uh, another stand, you mean? Henry asked. No. Further along my row. The uh, far end? No. Twelve seats. It's an affront. The outburst brought a darker flush of colour to Pete's face. His cheeks were now the shade of Watford's 2013-14 away kit, but without the yellow trim. Henry wasn't sure it was physically possible for people in the afterlife to have a seizure, but Pete definitely looked close to one. The man was burbling something about bin bags. Henry gazed out of the window and wondered what he could do to help. Over the decades, he'd seen plenty of over-emotional reactions to stressful situations. He'd never forgotten the FA Cup fourth-round tie at Oxford United on January the 23rd, 1971, when Watford centre-forward Barry Endine had been so upset that he pulled his shorts down in front of the home fans. That particular incident, of course, had been excusable. Watford were going out of the cup. Endine had had to do it. Henry was less sure that Pete's fraught reaction to seating arrangements would withstand similar exacting scrutiny in another 45 years' time. He decided to introduce Pete to someone who could offer some perspective. Pete Pickles stood in the atrium. He was still seething about his treatment by the club over his seat in the upper Graham Taylor stand. His mood wasn't lightened when someone told him his face looked just like the 2007-8 away shirt, but without the word Beko slapped across the front. He heard a voice behind him. Hello, I'm Herbert. Pete turned and saw Herbert Wiggins, a man with the look of a well-preserved 62-year-old, even though he'd been dead for decades. My first game was in 1881. Herbert was a lean and wiry man. He was wearing the Sunday best suit in which he'd passed away during the 1932 close season. 
Pete suddenly felt underdressed. His own ample frame was squeezed into a 1994-95 away shirt. Earlier today, someone had asked him if it was some kind of tribute to Mickey Quinn. Did you go to the Bournemouth game yesterday? Shame about the header Iggy missed. Reminded me of the chance I saw Charlie White miss against the Cherries in the Cup in November 1913. Charlie's miss wasn't too costly, of course. We still beat them 10-0. You think I saw Iggy's header? Ha! <laughs> I wish. I had to spend the match informing the chief executive, Scott Duxbury, that football clubs can't run roughshod over the rights of fans. Pete watched Herbert's nose wrinkle. Before Christmas, Iggy would have buried an easy header like that, don't you think? God, you're just like Duxbury. You're ignoring my point. What I'm saying is that, as a fan, I have entitlements. Pete watched Herbert's nose wrinkle again. The two men didn't seem to be on the same wavelength at all. Shall we just go and watch some football? Herbert led Pete through the atrium towards the programme shelves. He didn't understand why this modern-day man was complaining about rights and entitlements. In his own day, the people in the crowd had been called spectators, not fans. They'd simply watched from the sidelines. Herbert had once been told that the word fan came from the word fanatic. He'd never been good with words, but he suspected fanatic must mean you'd gone a bit mad. The club just doesn't get it. If it doesn't listen to the voice of the fans, it'll die. This really didn't make sense to Herbert. No one in the land of the living had heard Herbert Wiggins's voice for 84 years. But Watford Football Club hadn't died. Quite the opposite. They'd gone from the bottom division to the top. So he didn't understand why Pete was looking as aggrieved as Fernando Forestieri lying on the grass after a perfectly fair tackle. I bet Henry has put us together because the club has wronged you too. I bet the club has exploited fans throughout its history. All I know is, he asked me to show you what's happened over the years to the place I watch from. So here I am. I bet we've both been treated appallingly. Herbert shrugged. He had no idea whether he'd been treated appallingly. He'd never really thought about it. He just went to football, and that was it. They arrived at the shelves. He browsed for a second. Then he picked up two programmes for the first stop on a tour that would tell his story. Here we are. This is my spot. Pete and Herbert were at Watford versus Millwall on August the 30th, 1922. They were standing high up on the earth banking in the Red Lion corner. It was the first ever match played at Vicarage Road. 
there were 8,618 people in the ground. On Earth, Pete had seen photographs of Vicarage Road in its early days. Now, he was actually here. It was very different from Vicarage Road in 2016. There were no bright colours, no concrete. The stands were dark and boxy. The spectators were smoking. They were all wearing hats. They smelt of beer. Everything felt down to earth. Simple. It wasn't the sort of place anyone could feel entitled to anything. Pete and Herbert watched Colonel Charles Healy of Benskins, also in a hat, declare the new stadium open by kicking a brown panel football from the main stand gate onto the pitch. Pete reckoned the view from the northeast banking wasn't bad, but he definitely wouldn't have picked this as his own regular spot. As Watford, in their black and white stripes, took the field, he said, Why did you choose to stand here? It's just a slope. You didn't want to stand here. There are some terrace rows down there next to the main stand. You should have stood there, on the railway sleepers. Much better footing. I didn't really think about it. I must have just fancied standing here. After that, it was always my place. I'm a creature of habit. I stood on this banking, on this exact spot, for ten seasons. I hope you moved somewhere better. This surface might scuff my trainers. I didn't want anywhere better. Pete was starting to get irritated at how docile Herbert was as a fan. That's ridiculous. Why not? Because nothing's ever going to make me change where I watch Watford from. Ah, that's exactly what I should have said to Scott Duxbury at the Bournemouth game yesterday. Pete felt his umbrage about the Upper Graham Taylor scandal starting to flood back. But for some reason, it wasn't quite as overwhelming as before. Now he was here at Vicarage Road in 1922. So go on then. What did happen after ten seasons? Well, for one thing, I died. But even death couldn't stop me watching from here. Ha! I should have used that line on Duxbury too. Suit yourself. Anyway, something else pretty major happened in 1932. Come with me. I'll show you. Herbert took Pete to a home match against Reading. He led Pete to the bottom of the Vicarage Road end on the main stand side of the ground. It was the summer of 1932 when I arrived in Hornet Heaven, but when I went through the ancient turnstile for the first game of the new season on August the 31st, this is what I saw. Herbert was pointing at a deep stairwell that had been dug into the Vicarage Road banking. It was exactly where Herbert and Pete had been standing in 1922, just a few moments ago. Pete felt his face reddening again. They've destroyed your regular spot. This is a disgrace. I bet the club didn't even warn fans they'd have to move. 
The club just got on with the work. Back in those days, the football staff didn't get paid in the summer. They needed to earn money. The stairs were dug out and built by Neil McBain, the team manager at the time. A couple of players, too. Pete hadn't known this. Clearly, Watford Football Club in the 1930s had been very different from Watford Football Club in 2016. For a few moments, he tried to imagine Jose Holabas's reaction to being handed a shovel and invited to dig out a few tonnes of soil. The fans who'd stood here must have been furious. Didn't they protest? I didn't hear any grumbles. It's a staircase. There wasn't one before. But what about you? What did you do? Well, uh, I didn't want to move. So I didn't. I just carried on watching from exactly the same place, halfway up the steps. Herbert led Pete up the steps. Spectators from 1932 were pouring down in the opposite direction as kickoff approached. Herbert and Pete stopped halfway and turned towards the pitch to watch the match. This is terrible. It's so annoying, with people passing through you all the time. And the view's much worse than before because the steps are cut so low into the bank. Herbert shrugged. This is my place. My spot. I just carried on as before. You sucked it up, you mean? How long did you stand on these stairs? Forty-six seasons. Dear, oh dear. Pete shook his head and looked at the pitch. Tommy Barnett and Arthur Woodward were lining up in Watford's pale blue shirts. Pete heard Arthur shout, Up the blues! as Arthur often did when the team attacked. Then Pete watched Arthur crunch into a tackle. Arthur had been no shrinking violet as a player, but he obviously hadn't been an influence on Herbert. Pete tutted. He reckoned Herbert was meeker than Jose Manuel Gerardo jumping for a header. A little later in the atrium, Henry Grover looked up. He saw Herbert and Pete walk in. While Herbert went over to the shelves to fetch the programmes for the next match, Henry took the chance to have a quick word with Pete. How's it going so far? Are you two getting on well? The guy's a total wuss. The club ruined his view from the terrace, and he didn't mind at all. He's a doormat. He winds me up. Henry looked at Pete's face. He saw it had gone back to the colour of the seat in the upper Graham Taylor stand that Pete hadn't wanted to move from. Before Henry could say anything more, Herbert returned and handed Pete a programme for the next game. The two men headed off to the ancient turnstile again. The father of the club scratched his head. Herbert clearly wasn't having the calming effect on Pete that Henry had hoped for. Things weren't going to plan at all. Herbert stood in his usual spot and said, 
This is one of my favourite games of all time. This time, Pete had a big grin on his face. It had been there from the moment he'd gone through the ancient turnstile and realised where he was. I was here too. It was brilliant. They were at the first ever European match at Vicarage Road. The home UEFA Cup tie with Kaiserslautern on the night of September the 28th, 1983. They weren't standing on a staircase anymore. Four years earlier, the stairwell had been filled in and replaced with a continuation of the terrace. The ground was packed tight. All around them, fans' faces were shining with excitement beneath the floodlights. Together, they watched the amazing first ten minutes of the game. They saw Watford quickly cancel out the two-goal deficit from the first leg. Now the Orns were leading the tie on away goals. As the second goal crossed the line, Pete punched the air and shouted, Get in! Herbert was just as excited, but he expressed it differently. He gave Pete a polite but warm handshake. Later, as the game quietened, Pete remembered why they were there. This tour was all to do with the club messing Herbert about over years and years. So, they finally sorted you out with some proper terracing after six decades. Herbert shrugged, yet again. I just like the football. It was great in the 1980s. The best I'd ever seen. Pete looked at Herbert and began to feel a bit different about him. Was Herbert really a wuss? Or was he actually a bit of a hero? He had an amazingly stoic attitude to all the inconvenience the club had put him through. He had stamina. The guy truly was from a different era. At half-time, Herbert turned the conversation round. What about you, then? Which part of the ground were you watching from tonight? Over there. I was a season ticket holder in the Shrodells. Oh. I've always stood. I've never sat at a match. Never sat? Not once? Since 1881? It's not what I do. Now Pete definitely didn't think Herbert was a wuss. He stared at Herbert in awe. On your feet was how football was meant to be watched. If Herbert had been going to Watford matches for 135 years and had never sat, he had to be the coolest fan Pete had ever met. Herbert asked Pete about the Shrodells. Was it a good seat then? Not really. But then they built a rouse stand in 1986. I lucked into a seat in the upper tier, not far from the halfway line. You did all right there then? Absolutely. But before that, 
What about the people who'd always liked standing on the terrace in front of the Schrodels before we got into the top division? I don't know. Why do you ask? Well, the club stuck those tractor seats where the people had stood. Was that something you went and shouted at the chief executive about? Pete felt his face redden. For a different reason this time. In 1982, he hadn't protested on behalf of anyone else. He just sat in his seat. He pointed to the teams emerging for the second half. He shouted, Up the yellows! Until he thought he was safe from Herbert mentioning the Schrodels again. Near the end, they saw Ian Richardson loop a late goal to seal the win. Watford 4, Kaiser Slaughton 3 on aggregate. When the final whistle blew, Pete noticed that Herbert's stoic manner completely vanished. The old man didn't confine himself to a handshake. He made the most of the solidly rebuilt terracing by bouncing around in celebration. For a few moments, Pete looked on. For the whole of the second half, he'd been feeling bad for having cared only about his own interests in the upper rouse all those years ago. But now, the joy of the occasion got the better of him. He grabbed Herbert and they bounced around together. Eventually, Pete said, That was fantastic. Where are we going next? The two men went through the ancient turnstile to watch Watford play Tottenham Hotspur in a League Cup second round first leg tie in September 1994. As soon as they were in the ground, Pete saw that the area around Herbert's regular spot was deserted. The terracing had been closed off. I don't believe it. They've screwed you over again. Herbert didn't look too put out. They walked up to the railings at the bottom of the terrace. How are you even supposed to get in there? Herbert put his hands together and offered Pete a leg up. Pete flopped his belly on top of the railing and levered himself over. Herbert leapt the railing in one smooth movement. His technique looked well practised. They climbed the terracing and settled into Herbert's usual vantage point. To their immediate right was the recently built Vicarage Road stand. The match kicked off. For 20 seconds, Spurs kept possession. Then, David Holdsworth beat Jürgen Klinsmann to a headed pass and thumped the ball first time down the touchline. Tommy Mooney chased it and crossed it with his first touch. Craig Ramage turned it into the net. Three touches of the ball and a giant killing was on the cards. Hornets fans all over the stadium went crazy. But as other fans celebrated, Pete had the sense that he and Herbert weren't part of it. He felt they were isolated on the closed terracing. Shut off. Abandoned. Pete was about to embark on another rant about how the club had marginalised Herbert. But when he looked at his new friend, quietly watching the game kick off again, he began to feel sorry for the old man. 
It was all a bit lonely up here on Herbert's traditional perch. Pete looked down to the far end of the ground where the new rookery stand was being built. More seats. More progress. For the first time, he had the sense that Herbert was allowing himself to get left behind. He felt sad for him. Pete watched the match and thought about things for a while. Earlier today, he'd visited a down-to-earth Vicarage Road on its first ever day as a football stadium, watching league football at its lowest level. Now the place was on the verge of having seats on all four sides, and he was watching Jurgen Klinsmann score a sublime hat-trick. Watford Football Club had moved on, but Herbert Wiggins hadn't. Soon, just after Tommy Mooney pulled the score back to 2-4, Pete said, You know, Herbert, I'm thinking it may be time to move on. Fair enough. We already know it ends 3-6. Let's go to the next game. I'm looking forward to it. It wasn't what Pete had meant, but he was feeling too much sympathy for Herbert to disappoint him. Pete followed Herbert to the playoff semi-final second leg at home to Leicester City in May 2013. This is one of the greatest games ever played at this stadium. But I have to say, it's really not the greatest way to watch it, Herbert. They were standing, or trying to stand, on Herbert's usual spot. There wasn't even any terracing now. They were on a precipitous concrete slope. Pete was desperately trying to keep his balance. This is ridiculous, Herbert. As he said it, he lost his footing and slid on his bottom all the way down to the corner flag. He tried to climb back up the slope on all fours, but kept slipping back down. Herbert skipped down to help Pete. The old man had a well-honed technique for negotiating the steep incline. His balance and poise reminded Pete of Nathan Chalabar on the pitch in front of him. Herbert guided Pete back up. Honestly, Herbert, this is no way to spectate. I'm starting to feel you haven't moved with the times. Nonsense. I've adapted. Watford are on the verge of the Premier League here. This isn't a Premier League way to watch them. It has its benefits. That's ludicrous. Name one. You'll see. Sure enough, in the end, Pete did see one benefit. When the very last moments of the match arrived. When it was time for them not to scratch their eyes. Herbert grabbed Pete by the hand and launched himself down the slope. They both slid on their bottoms, their legs flailing, whooping in ecstasy. It was Pete's favourite goal celebration ever. For his favourite goal ever. But afterwards, Pete wasn't sure it changed anything. Watford Football Club was on a journey, and after 135 years, Herbert Wiggins seemed to have become a passenger, barely clinging on. The problem was that Herbert was putting his own way of watching 
ahead of all other considerations. Pete wished Herbert would get on board. Pete saw Henry Grover in the atrium. He went over while Herbert fetched the programmes for what Herbert had said would be the final match of the tour. Can we talk, Henry? Of course we can, Pete. I'm a bit worried about Herbert. Oh, dear. How do you mean? Well, to start with, I have to admit I've changed my mind about something. Really? What kind of thing? Well, today I've been to matches from 1922 to 2013, so I've seen how Vicarage Road has had to change to keep pace with the world. And I've realised it will have to keep changing. Seats in stands and places on terraces can't belong to individual fans. I was wrong about the seat reallocation in the upper Graham Taylor. Henry tried not to smile at the success of his plan to change Pete's perspective. To be fair, I was upset. That's why I couldn't see that it's probably for the long-term good of the club that they do rearrange the seating. Yesterday, I didn't want people on corporate freebies to steal my view of the match. I resented the idea of all those fat cats guzzling prawn sandwiches in my seat. Those football tourists. But... I'll get it now. If a change like that is going to put the club in a better position, it's worth my moving 12 seats along the road. Well, that's a very far-sighted point of view. Admirable. In the future, the club's going to need to evolve. In ways I can't imagine yet. Ways I won't feel comfortable with. I'm just going to have to go with it. Now Henry couldn't help but smile. Pete's change of tack was as beautiful as an Etienne Capoue U-turn on the halfway line, but without the nutmeg. I think I'd actually be embarrassed if I went back to the Bournemouth match and saw myself shouting at Scott Duxbury. I see. Well, maybe football tourism isn't so bad after all. I bet you've seen some amazing things on your tour today. Pete smiled as he remembered the official opening of Vicarage Road, the Kaiserslautern game, and that Deany goal. He felt no trace of indignation anymore. His face was as free of bread as the club badge on Watford's 2013-14 home kit. But... You were saying you were worried about Herbert. Tell me why. Well, he's a lovely bloke, but he's a bit, I don't know, out on a limb. No one else stands in the part of the ground he does. It's like he needs to be brought back into the fold. Well, if that's what you think, maybe you could help him. After all, he seems to have helped you. Pete nodded. He looked up and saw Herbert returning with two programmes. They were for yesterday's Bournemouth game. Oh, God. Does it have to be this game? Zed Cars was playing at the Bournemouth game. 
Pete and Herbert made their way towards Herbert's regular place. Pete looked over to the upper Graham Taylor stand. He saw the seat that someone had covered with a bin bag in protest. He saw himself remonstrating with the chief executive. He felt terrible. Herbert glanced at the pitch and said, Just look at the colour of those shirts. He was about to compare Bournemouth's lurid pink to Pete's face. But then he noticed that Pete's colouring was normal now, just like anybody else's. Instead, Herbert filled Pete in on the most recent changes to his vantage point. The club demolished the concrete slope at the start of this season. I had to stand on the rubble. It was a good place for watching us demolish West Ham and Liverpool. Finally, they arrived at his usual spot. Now, it looks like this. Pete looked around. The area had been rebuilt. There was concrete beneath their feet. But that wasn't the only thing. For the first time ever at Vicarage Road, after 93 and a half years, there was a seat on Herbert's spot. It felt to Pete like a culmination of the club's progress. He looked at Herbert, the lean old man in the 1930s suit, to see what his new friend thought. As always, Herbert didn't seem fussed. They stood together, either side of the new seat. Pete wondered how many Watford matches Herbert had been to since 1881. About 5,000, he reckoned. Many of them more than once. Many of them in discomfort. Herbert had never seemed fussed. He'd never complained. He'd just got on with supporting the Orns. Pete felt quite moved for Herbert. A seat felt like a just reward for the man's unquestioning loyalty. Finally, Herbert. Finally, they've provided you with somewhere to sit. They've done you proud. Herbert just shrugged, as always. Pete sat down on the next seat along. As the players lined up on the pitch, he remembered that Henry had asked him to help bring Herbert back into the fold. He felt a speech coming on. Something about football being a journey that fans and club should go on together. But he'd only just learned the lesson himself. He didn't really think he was the best person to deliver it. He looked around. Everyone else in the newly extended stand was sitting down for kickoff. Herbert would be the odd man out if he stood. Pete folded down the empty seat and held it for Herbert. Come on, Herbert. Take the weight off your feet. Herbert wrinkled his nose. Go on. You deserve it after all these years. No, I'm all right. Herbert carried on standing, a lone figure. But at least his regular spot was now actually in a stand, Pete reflected. Herbert wasn't excluded anymore. 
The club's progress had embraced them. This was probably all that had needed to happen. Pete let the seat tip back up. As the game kicked off, Pete looked up at Herbert, the man who had never sat. This was a man who'd been present at the start of Watford's history and was still there now. Herbert had been part of the furniture since before there had even been furniture. Pete leaned back in his seat. His new seat, he decided, beside Herbert. Together, over the next 93 and a half minutes, they watched Watford earn the point that would eventually prove to be the one that secured the club a second season in the Premier League for the first time ever. Pete couldn't wait to see what the next 93 and a half years would bring the two of them. End of episode four. The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be the 2016 Christmas special, When We Collide. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wicken. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wicken. Thank you.